All right, well, good morning and welcome to everyone who is watching and following along with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call interview series. As always, I'm Will Driscoll, the executive director here at the Hall of Fame, and I'm thrilled to once again bring you an exciting edition of Hall Call. But before we get started, I'd like to thank all of our sponsors who you see over my shoulders. Priority Automotive, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, the Beck Foundation, White Claw Hard Seltzer, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1, Davis Business Appraisers, and Hamilton Realty. We are able to bring you programs like Hall Call because of their support. Well, can you smell it? Can you feel it? Can you can you just sense it that football is right around the corner? We are just over a week away from the NFL season kicking off with the defending champions, Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, hosting the Detroit Lions on Thursday night football. And that might be the most surprising thing is that the Detroit Lions are actually kicking off the season in the NFL. But we got another long journey to the Super Bowl beginning next week. But before we get into that, we want to make sure that your fantasy teams are all squared away. And as we've done every year since 2019, we have an expert with us to talk about fantasy football. We're joined by Jake Seeley, senior fantasy, senior fantasy sports writer for The Athletic. He's based right here in Virginia Beach. He's been an industry leader and award winner with his picks and rankings in both fantasy football and baseball. And I'm hoping that some of what we talk about today will carry over into my draft, which is this Sunday. So Jake, as always, thanks for taking some time to join us today. No, I always appreciate it. I was about to ask you before we came on, is this the fifth year? I, I thought it was the, the five years running now. We So we started Hall Call in July 2019. You joined us in August 2019. So this is year five of this exact uh, Hall Call interview series episode. So we're excited. It's great to have a resource like you, not only personally, but also here in Virginia. So people can uh, read what you do, but also the work that you do with the, the, with the athletic. And uh, it's just exciting to have you here. And I know that there's probably all sorts of things that people want to talk about, people want to ask about, but we'll jump right into it. Um, so before we get into it, what is the topic? What's the trend right now in fantasy drafts? We're, we're nine days away from the season kicking off. So a lot of people who are in multiple leagues, they probably already had at least one. Some of them will wait till the last week to have their draft. But what are the trends or the topics that people are seeing right now as we're talking about fantasy sports? Well, the biggest one as, as of today, so depending on if you're watching the replay, you might already know what happened, but today is the deadline. So basically, if you're watching in your area, like put the little timestamp over the top of my mouth, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's where Jonathan Taylor is going to end up if he's going to be back with the Colts or if he's going to be elsewhere, because that's a big risky pick right now that, you know, people are gambling in the second round. We know he could be the top running back, but as a theme for this year, previous years, you know, actually 2019, when we first did this, it was that middle of the biggest Wait on quarterback. Don't draft your quarterbacks to the middle rounds. Wait till the end game. There's so many good quarterbacks. You can just find one off the waiver wire, even if you miss out in the draft. And now it's kind of come around where it's shifting back up. It's not fully like Patrick Mahomes isn't in the first round, like the back in the day with Peyton Manning was entering the first round. But you're considering people taking Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts in the second or third round. And then that next group, when you're talking about Joe Burrow and Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson, people are talking about third, fourth, fifth, even sixth round if you can get deeper in your drafts. Uh, but basically, it's kind of bring the value back to the quarterback. You can see the leg up that you get at the position if you have two, three, four fantasy points per game mo better than most. Uh, the one thing I'll say is while people are starting to adjust to that, I keep saying, try super flex leagues. I know that's not super common, but bringing the quarterback value back and play super flex, that's where you can start a quarterback in the flex spot. And that just brings them up overall. But I would say the two biggest things is one, the quarterbacks that I already mentioned. And then the other one is everybody's trying to go wide receiver heavy these days. That's again, go back to 2019. 
and you and I started, and there was a lot of running backs incorporated throughout the entire first round and running backs in the second round too. And it was kind of at that time, it was like, well, should we start taking more wide receivers? Well, the shift has gone so far the other direction. Now, like for everybody out there, if you play in a 10 or 12 team league, an RB1 is somebody that's top 10 or 12 at the position. RB1s, the top 10 or 12, are falling into the third round this year because everybody wants to take wide receiver. So now we're back to the other way. You know how it goes. You pivot when everybody else is going one direction. You you zag, zigzag, whatever you want to call it. But I think you're looking at, well, you want to get the reliability of a wide receiver. If it's going so far in the other direction, you might be able to get back to those days where, wow, I have two amazing running backs and I'm just running running over everybody else in my league. It almost seems like the the overcorrection is almost going yeah. too far, um, you know. And, and and before we continue, Jake, he, there's all sorts of resources on the Athletic to help you get it, to help you get set for your fantasy draft. Hundreds of articles, rankings, cheat sheets, everything. So head on over to the Athletic. Make sure you dollar get a month there. right now. A dollar like you from now until the season starts. A dollar a month. So you, it's a very that's that, that's that, they don't do that very often. Less than a cup of coffee, basically, right, as, as the old saying goes. But, you know, you, you talk about the quarterbacks, and we're going to kind of bounce around here and there and everywhere because there's th- – this is actually one of the weirder kind of off-seasons that I've seen. Like, we don't really have the big-time injuries that have really come into play. Joe Burrow Joe Burrow excluded, and, and we'll get to him in a little bit. But we, but we haven't had, like, the multiple big-name injuries come, on, come online yet. So we're going to kind of jump around. But getting back to the quarterbacks, you know, you talked about your Mahomes. You talked about Jalen Hurts. I saw Anthony Richardson, a rookie, is in the top half of, of most of the quarterbacks being drafted. Is that just based – because he's already been named QB1 for the Colts and they really have no other option. Is that just purely based on speculation, or do people like what they're seeing out of Richardson right now in Colts camp? So it's twofold. Uh, one is with Anthony Richardson, when it comes to if you're going into any league and you just let the default scoring go there, rushing is going to value more than passing because m- the majority of sites, it's one point for 10 yards rushing. It's one for 25 passing. So if a r- quarterback runs for 500 yards, it's a heck of a lot more valuable if they pass for 500 yards. So if you get Anthony Richardson, what we expect to do as a rookie is very similar to what we've seen from Justin Fields. You could be talking six, seven. I actually did a bold predictions article. They're bold predictions. So the likelihood of that happening is very slim. But my bold prediction is with Anthony Richardson breaks the rushing record for a rookie quarterback. So you get that kind of value. You get 800 yards rushing. That's 80 fantasy points, which immediately, like he could do nothing else. And he's already like, has some value. And that's where you have to look at it is that if he's just a capable passer, there's the, there's the upside of that. And the second part of it is not so much Anthony Richardson just on the rushing upside. So what you go down to is the second level when I talked about those top six quarterbacks that I brought before. After that, that's where quarterback still does just wait because you're talking about quarterbacks that score 18, 19 fantasy points per game. Quarterbacks that are on the waiver wire scoring 17 fantasy points per game. There's not much of an advantage to get one more fantasy point per game. One point per week is not going to make the difference. So where you see Anthony Richardson is the same as you'll see people taking flyers on even Bryce Young or Russell Wilson to have a bounce back or like you want to find a quarterback who finishes top six or seven. You don't care about QB 11. And that's what it comes down to. It's like if I could find QB 11, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, like all those Matthew Staffords, they're always going to be out there in your leagues. So the people who are taking Anthony Richardson and I advise doing the same. You take Anthony Richardson as the 10th, 9th quarterback off the board. If you miss, 
you have one of those failback options. You know, so that's that's why he's there. It's not even so much that it's like, hey, I think Anthony Richardson is going to be the QB eleven. It's that if everything breaks right, he could be QB five like Justin Fields. If everything goes wrong, that's fine. I'll just go find another quarterback. So if we can't find, say, one of the top six or seven, it's probably worth then loading up more on the wide receivers and the running backs and then getting into that 11 to 16 range. Yep. So I have an industry draft that I run every single year. Uh, It's the first week of August. It's in New York that I do. And I actually took Anthony Richardson. I was the last person to take a quarterback because of what you said. People took him. I was thinking I was actually considering being the first person to take a quarterback because I was like, you know what? If Josh Allen makes it here or Patrick Mahomes, like I'll take him. But he didn't. So then I was like, all right, well, then I'll wait for the second tier. Didn't happen. So then I'm like, well, then I'm just waiting to the end of the draft. And I have an amazing run. I have my third running back. That's a top 15 or 16 running back. My wide receiver is extremely deep. And then I took Anthony Richardson. But to go back to that point, what I did is still in the final round, Geno Smith was there. And it's like he was just a top 10 quarterback. I'll take a double down like, hey, you know, throw two tickets into the lottery, so to speak. Like maybe one of them finishes top 12 if the other one doesn't. You talk about tiers and you've already referenced tiers. And if you go to The Athletic and you look at Jake's tiers, you have everything broken down into tier one, tier two, three for every position all the way through, depending on how many levels you determine that position has. Define your tiers and the analytics that go behind each tier and then which position has the deepest tier one and tier two. Yeah, so the tiers, uh, you're, I'm glad you asked that because I've said it a bunch and never really defined it. So uh, <laughs> tiers, when people see tiers, like there's the difference between the NFL and fantasy. So like if they see tiers, it's breaking it down into comparable talent for fantasy. Like people are like, I can't believe you call Tyreek Hill a two, tier two wide receiver. Like it's not that he's a tier two talent, it's tier two in fantasy. So what that's saying is that you group these players together they're expected to all fall within a very narrow margin, basically within one fantasy point per game over the entire season. So when I reference Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, and Joe Burrow, you might be talking about the top end of those three finishes at 20.1 fantasy points per game, and the bottom of that group finishes at 19.5. There's very little difference. And the reason you use tiers in fantasy drafting is because you don't want to be the one that grabs the top guy in that tier when one of your league mates gets the bottom guy in that tier, gets the same production three rounds later. And that's really how tiers break it out for you. So it also helps when you're trying to make the decision. If you're like in the draft, it's like, Hey, I have a running back. I have a wide receiver. Should I take another running back or should I take another wide receiver in the third round? Well, the running back tier three only has one guy left wide receiver. There's 10 guys in Jake's tier four. So like, that's kind of how you use it through the draft. It's interesting. Um, I only have one running back and one wide receiver in tier ones for both. So I guess you call that the slimmest because it's Christian McCaffrey on an island by himself. It's Justin Jefferson on an island by himself just because he's got the upside and the safety. Uh, Jamar Chase, you brought up the Joe Burrow thing. There's a question like, you know, banged up Burrow. Is he going to try and play through at week one? Uh, Cooper Cup would be in tier one, but he had the hamstring injury this preseason. So that's why. So I'll say, actually, I'll answer your question with who's got the deepest tier two. And it's running back, running back from RB2 down to about RB11 or 12, very interchangeable. Like anything breaks just slightly right on a touchdown basis. And the 11th guy I have ranked, like Ramondre Stevenson, like if he gets more of the goal line work than people expect with Ezekiel Elliott in town, he could be at the top of that tier. Austin Eckler, touchdown success has been amazing. What if it just goes the opposite direction? He could be near the bottom of that tier. And that's how you look at those tiers. Well, that's a great segue into the next 
bit of our conversation that is about the running backs and, and Josh Jacobs is a perfect example of that. Nobody expected Josh Jacobs to put up the season that he put up last year. I mean, to the point that he didn't even get the fifth year guaranteed prior to last season. So that's why he went through the, the franchise issue that he went through with the Raiders this off season. But much of the talk of the NFL offseason has been the devaluation of the running back position. You yeah. even alluded to it a little bit earlier in your first answer about how you're now seeing, you know, some of the top running backs, they're now being second and third round picks, whereas the wide receivers are coming up. Is that becoming kind of the industry standard where the running back position is now being devalued because you still see this emphasis on the passing game at the NFL level? Yeah, it's it's kind of another twofold answer for you. I know there's been a lot of those so far, but uh, it's the NFL reality is spilling into fantasy. It's the NFL is devaluing, as you said, they're devaluing running backs. It's funny on a side note that Jim Irsay is sitting here saying, I don't want to pay Jonathan Taylor, right. but give me a first round pick for it. like, you can't have it both ways, buddy. But that's Play how the NFL, sides. I know, <laughs> but that's how the NFL is. Uh, you saw the holdout with Saquon Barkley. You saw the holdout with Josh Jacobs. They both got one year a boost kind of deal over their franchise tag, but it's because the NFL, you know, realizes running backs. There is, it's not mutually exclusive to say you can have an elite talent difference maker like a Barkley, but that running backs are also the most replaceable position. Like those can go hand in hand. They're not, they're not separate type type of conversations, but you do have talent drop off. So if you look at the Giants backfield, Saquon Barkley gets hurt. Nobody's coming. You add up all the running backs behind the Giants and they're not going to do what Saquon Barkley is doing. But there are a lot of backfields that are split. And that's what's happening is like you look at uh, Ken Walker, who was very impressive as a rookie last year, and they drafted Zach, Zach Charbonnet. And now you're looking at a potential 50-50 split. And what's the NFL say is like, we can keep both guys healthy. We don't give them 350 touches. We have playoff aspirations with two great talents instead of just one. And so you're looking at backfields and fantasy is how many of these guys are actually what we would call, I'm going to use the quote here, bell cows. That means do they touch the ball 15 plus times every single week? Are they putting up double digit fantasy points every single week? And there's a handful now in that. And, and that's why is people are scared that, you know, I brought up Stevenson. He is still kind of a bell cow. He's going to get 250, 300 touches. And the good thing is a lot of them are going to come in the passing game, but he's not the bell cow of like a Saquon Barkley where it's going to be guaranteed 300 touches. And that's what has people afraid is that what if Ezekiel Elliott steals 10 rushing touchdowns from Andre Stevenson? What if Jameer Gibbs drafted by the Lions shares 50-50 with David Montgomery, you know, and that's the biggest concern. And that's why you're getting the devaluation is that everybody's afraid that one week I might get a top 15 running back the next week because a game script, how the flow is going, he might only get eight touches and then I can't even start him. Who has the better season, Jacobs or Barkley? I, I um, mean, we obviously see, you know, personal, personal preferences aside. Personal, personal, oh, wrong side, <laughs> the wrong side. Per, personal preferences aside, I, I do have Barkley. Uh, I have him about three or four spots in front of Jacobs. Uh, it's not even so much that I, you know, it's funny. I actually had this conversation with somebody like two or three days ago. And he's like, I don't get how Jacobs got a similar contract with Barkley. And I was like, do you not remember last year? He's like, Barkley was so much better. I was like, no, he wasn't. Like, if you actually look at it, the receiving game was almost identical. Jacobs was better on the ground so if you're talking for fantasy purposes i think it's very neck and neck so what the tie break is going to come down to and why i'm going to go with barkley is i'm confident that his passing game work is more consistently reliable than jacobs like last year was kind of possibly a high watermark for jacobs and that they're going to have 
Josh McDaniels and this team thinking for the future, like, let's get somebody more mixed in. Let's open up our offense a little bit more. Now you have a Garoppolo at quarterback. And is he going to be healthy for the entire year? Uh, Devontae Adams is clearly the one in that offense taking a ton of targets away in the passing game. So I just look at team makeups and I give Barkley the edge. It's not so much the fact that like talent wise, as a pure player basis, I would take Barkley 10 times out of 10. But if you're talking fantasy, it's a very, they're in the same tier to go back to the tiers. Like if you don't get Barkley, just take Jacobs a full round later. Yeah. You know, I, I lucked out. I lucked out last year. I got Jacobs, I think in the third or fourth round and he ended up being a great, a great addition to the team, made it all the way to the championship game. Uh, Didn't win in the championship game, but that's fine. (laughs) But Jacobs, but was you a, got there. Jacobs, a lot of people have been thanking me for Jacobs last year. And I was like, I know I was higher than most, but I wasn't even expecting like you can give me some credit, but I wasn't expecting that kind of season. No, I think I think 2000 yards from scrimmage. I don't think anybody was expecting no. that considering when you looked at his his career up to that point. Um, speaking of someone who's had a very long career, but seemed to take a bit of a step back last year. And that's the new Jets quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Is Aaron Rodgers a 40-year-old quarterback, or are we expecting him to revert back to the multiple-time MVP winner because now he's surrounded by more pieces? Is this just a disgruntled (laughs) guy who is in Green Bay who's happy to be out, or is he aging like 40-year-old quarterbacks age? I think he's aging, and I think that you look at Tom Brady aging, like, you know, they can can break it. They can be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe a 40-year-old quarterback is doing this. Uh, When it comes to fantasy, though, I think that I'm pretty much – like – I'm I'm higher than some on Aaron Rodgers, but I'm still lower than like he's a fringe QB one. That's what you say. Like he's around QB 12, 13, 14, 15 because of what I go back to in the conversation with about Anthony Richardson. I'll take Anthony Richardson before I take Aaron Rodgers. If I was having an NFL team and a potential MVP and want to win the Super Bowl, I would take Aaron Rodgers today. I would take Daniel Jones in fantasy, not because I'm a Giants fan. I actually don't really love that he's our quarterback for real life. Um, but in fantasy, I'll take Daniel Jones over Aaron Rodgers because that rushing upside is just so immense. Aaron Rodgers for fantasy needs to have that Tom Brady type season. And when I say Tom Brady type season is he needs to throw 4,000 plus yards guaranteed. He needs to throw 30 plus touchdowns guaranteed to even be a QB one, a top 12 quarterback, because that's what it takes these days. So many of these quarterbacks run, 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 get four, 500, 600 yards. And now you have to throw for an extra thousand just to help make up for it in additional touchdowns. So I think he can bounce back. Last year was miserable and we know what he played with last year. But Aaron Rodgers doesn't run that much anymore. Not that he was ever a big runner, but he doesn't run that much anymore. And the run part of this is actually why I'm kind of conservative. Like, I think he can bounce back, but I don't think the Jets need him to throw for 4,435 touchdowns or something like that. They brought in Dalvin Cook. Brees Hall has more time to get back to 100%. They still have Michael Carter. Robert Sala, what tree does he come from? The Shanahan tree. Like, like, so I just, I think things will be better for the Jets. I think Aaron Rodgers will be better. And saying all that, I still don't think he'll be a top six or seven quarterback in fantasy. So from what I heard, probably not your QB one. No. Aaron Rodgers, probably not your QB one. But if you take Anthony Richardson, he's a fine backup plan. Exactly. Well, speaking of somebody who will probably be QB one for everything that you just mentioned, that not the 4,000 passing yards, but everything that else that comes along with it, Lamar Jackson got his big contract, seems to be happy now, seems to be in a good spot. They seem to be putting some more weapons around him offensively as well. How are the fantasy minds viewing Lamar Jackson going into this season? 
I think uh, fantasy minds are a little burned and like worried, like after last year, especially with the injuries. And now you're getting the argument like, well, now there's so many injuries. He takes too many hits. What if this is Robert Griffin? What if this is the end of Michael Vick's career? Like, you know, they just take so many hits. It takes a pounding. And that's part of the risk when you talk about a quarterback who runs as much. There's a difference. Um, there's There was an article out there by his, his injury doc on Twitter, FB, I think it's FFB or something like that, but you can look him up. He actually debunked the fact that rushing quarterbacks get hurt more than pocket passers because when they get hit in the pocket, they get bent up a lot. So yeah. they don't actually get hurt that much more. It's the career that sometimes gets shortened because the hits just rack up. So Lamar Jackson can still be QB1. He can still finish in front of Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, all the rest. He's done it before. Uh, the reason I think that I would take that chance on him doing that is because, yes, you're banking on him staying healthy, but you mentioned the weapons. I think what they're doing, it's not exactly like what happened with Josh Allen or Cam Newton towards the end of his career, but it comes down to what teams are doing with Jalen Hurts, what you see the Bears doing with Justin Fields right now, is bring weapons out that fit the quarterback to take that step forward or rebound or have the best success in that MVP season with Lamar Jackson, you go down the list. It was Mark Andrews and a bunch of kind of guys. Like there was, there's no Odell Beckham and even Odell Beckham at this point of his career, not Odell Beckham, but what he can do and what Zay flowers, the kid, the drafted can. And if Rashad Bateman can stay healthy is you want to find guys who can get open quickly, but there's a second aspect to their game is when they get up open quickly and things break down is they can also head downfield because Lamar Jackson, as you see, when, when plays break down, he can fling that ball downfield in like a heartbeat. And all of a sudden you have a 50 yard play where he's originally looking for that first read. So it's kind of the wide receiver styles of guys who can get open, but then like get open quickly and if things he's, they stay open. So I like what they brought around him where I think that if you get Lamar Jackson back to 3,500 yards and 25 or 30 passing touchdowns, we just saw Jalen hurts do it and he's healthy. He's back in the QB one discussion. So if I miss on that big tier kind of to hedge your question down the road where I'm going with it is I'm looking, if I can get Lamar Jackson, the fifth, maybe even late fourth, I'm doing it because I know that upside is the number one quarterback in fantasy. Yeah, you have to figure that if he's if he is healthy, he's got at least another seven to eight hundred rushing yards to to mm. counteract that thirty five hundred passing yards. So you're looking at that forty three hundred yards from scrimmage type type season, which is what you really want from him. Um, kind of getting back to the injury, the injury discussion that we that we started a little bit earlier, we mentioned that there's not a ton of big name injuries. Probably the, the highest profile one so far is Joe Burrow. But Burrow seems to be the type of player that you you alluded to with what you need from Aaron Rodgers. You need that 4,000 yards. You need yep. those 35 touchdowns because he's not the running quarterback like the Hurts, like uh, like Lamar Jackson. Um, what what is what is Joe Burrow's fantasy value, and where where are you seeing him drafted as of this point right now? Yeah, so I, I still put him in that group with Lamar Jackson, and Justin Fields, which means you're going to have to take him in that second. That's th- six quarterbacks, the top three, and then those are the second three. People are taking him still in the third or fourth round, and I get it because that passing is going to be there. We know this Bengals offense. It is pass first, even with Joe Mixon, uh, and you look at the weapons they have with Chase Higgins and Tyler Boyd as their third, and we just saw Joe Burrow last year. He was in this conversation last year. I think there's a little bit too too much optimism just because what if it just like like I go back to the Austin Eckler thing and I I know I sound like I'm nitpicking but this is what happens in fantasy the touchdown success I'll go back remember Matt Ryan 2018 when he threw all those touchdowns and it was just that absurd Falcons offense everybody's like remember it well because I drafted him the next year (laughs) I say you had the downturn of it like 
you can have still a great season, but the touchdowns, because they inflate so much, you're talking about four for a quarterback, six for a receiver and rusher. Um, but the touchdown equity, like if it's just a slight downtick in the offense and like, what if they run a little bit more and all of a sudden Mixon gets a few more carries um, just like if Joe Burrow throws four fewer touchdowns, it's not an enormous number, but it's enough to say, now you're also adding that risk. What if it's not out there for week one? And I think that's where, I'm not getting Joe Burrow in a lot of my drafts because I know that Fields and Jackson in this conversation are not even close to the passers that he is. But I know that that rushing, again, injuries aside, that rushing is more bankable than saying, I know Joe Burrow is throwing 35 to 40 touchdowns. And that's what it comes down to is I don't, I think Joe Burrow is one of the best talents in the league. It's just one's a lot more guaranteed than the other. Again, health aside. So I would be a little bit more cautious. I'd take them in the fourth or the fifth round again. Cause what if it's week one and they're like, well, you know what? We want to make sure that see the thing with the injury to go to that real quick, the soft tissue that was already kind of alien him. If you go back and watch what happened in practice for anybody that didn't see it, he was already wrapped up and then he scrambled. And that's when he kind of pulled up lame. You don't want that to recur all year long. So if you put him out there in week one and it's not 100%, this could nag him the entire year. If the Bengals are smart and like, hey, he's not 100%, you might miss week one. You might even miss week one and week two. And the reason I brought that up is because if I'm drafting a top six quarterback, I don't want a second quarterback. I'm not going to waste a roster spot on my bench, Will, because I just invested a top first five rounds. I took a quarterback. I put that investment out there because I know I'm starting that guy every single week. I'm not benching Joe Burrow in a bad matchup. I didn't draft him to bench him. But because I don't know if he's playing week one, now I do have to take a second quarterback. So I kind of threw some of that investment away, so to speak, if that makes sense. That's a that's a really good point because you you are going to start him outside of his bye week. If he's healthy, you're not putting anybody else in. Even if he has a bad four or five game stretch, you're still not yep. putting in a Sam Howell or or somebody else right. over him. Um, keeping on the injury track right now, what about a guy like Kadarius Tony? Kadarius Tony, for those who don't know, uh, traded to the Chiefs last year. The Chiefs, their wide receiver room is is not much. You know, they do still have Travis Kelsey. They have, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, generational quarterback, two-time Super Bowl champion. But they want Kadarius Toney to kind of step up and be that next receiver that is the go-to guy for Mahomes. Dealing with a meniscus injury, had surgery at the end of July. What are the fantasy prospects for Kadarius Toney? Not as much as people want them to be, unfortunately. Like I, I like I saw this kid drafted by the Giants and yeah. like super talented and, and super he is one of the best at getting open, and that's why he's so dangerous, is because just corners can't stay with him, and then you get the ball in his hands. And when you're that fast with the ball in your hands, you saw it. They designed plays for him. They had they won the Super Bowl because of the help from Kadarius Tony. The issue is is a lot of people will reference things like this is how much usage he got on a per snap basis. The problem is he was still fourth on a depth chart. There were plays designed to get him the ball. Like nobody's drafting Tutu Atwell for the Rams. Go look them up. Nobody's drafting to go back Tavon Austin. That one year for the Rams where he had like, what is it? 500 and 500, like 500 rushing, 500 receiving. It still was like, that was one year, you know, glimpse of it, like anything that could happen. That was the best case scenario. But again, that's because they designed things for him. I think if you're looking at the pure talent of going down this depth chart, Tony, Probably one of the best. The problem is the health and that, you know, does he fit the offense best? And I think right now they have a solution in Sky Moore, who they drafted last year. And everybody was super excited for him as a rookie because, hey, he's on the Chiefs. And then, you know, he sat behind everybody else. But Juju Smith-Schuster is gone and Sky Moore is stepping into that role. That role 
is what this new Chiefs offense, like a few years ago with Tyreek Hill, is not the same offense we see now. So you look at Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez, Scantling's been the only consistent starter. And then you go down the list and Justin Ross, who we can hope he stays healthy for the first time since Clemson's days, and Richie James, who they brought over in free agency. And I, I'm kind of, this is where I'm going, Will, is maybe the answer is just don't try to figure it out. It's going to be too frustrating. Like one week, it's going to be Richie James. One week, it's going to be Valdez Scantling. One week, it's going to be Kadarius Tony. And this is why I caution people with running backs that are like this. Uh, right now, the Dolphins situation is like this, yeah. unless they trade for Jonathan Taylor, is sometimes the best answer is to avoid it. Yes, you want to see that on your team. You want to see that upside. But what often ends up happening in fantasy, as you mentioned it, it's the Matt Ryan thing. You're chasing your tail. You're chasing the production. And then what ends up happening is you get him on the down week and you're like, well, now I can't start him next week. And then he goes off again and then you start him again. And that's what ends up happening is you're always chasing the production and it's never very predictable. So I would love us to get a clear answer, but I think the clear answer is either sky more at a value or just stay away from the rest. Stay away from the chiefs. The the wide receiver room isn't great. Numbers are going to come, but maybe put those into Patrick Mahomes and Travis. Yeah, I was going to say, just, just draft here. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about two Seattle uh, uh, skill position players that are dealing with some injuries as well. You already referenced Kenneth Walker, but I want to talk about him. And I also want to talk about their rookie wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, who out of those two would you rather draft for your team? Still knowing that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are still also pieces on the Seahawks, but Geno Smith, is Geno Smith what we saw last year or does he regress a little bit back to the mean? Obviously we're talking about fantasy, we're talking about averages, but between Kenneth Walker and Jackson Smith and Jigba, who would you find more value in? I want my answer. I want to be as neither, but in this scenario, <laughs> well, so kidding aside, my concern for Kenneth Walker was that he was very poor last year in efficiency and short yardage. And if you look at Ken Walker, he should be good at that. Uh, the explosive plays are part of his game. Uh, you can't take that away, but for somebody that should be better in the short yardage, Zach Charbonnet is a great pass catcher, but he's also pretty good between the tackles. So why I say neither is I will take Ken Walker over Smith and Jigba as of today, and I'll get to Smith and Jigba and why in a second. Um, but what it comes down to is I, I think with Pete Carroll, we can see this backfield is like a 55-45. So if Ken Walker is going around low-end RB2s, like 24, 25, somewhere like that, I'll take the investment because if he's even getting 60% of the work or 65% of the work, then I'm, you know, the upside is still there. The concern I have is that that split. Um, but I, I think that if you look at what Ken Walker did last year, is still very impressive. And we can hope for the 60-40. I would just caution people. The risk is there is that it's a full 50-50. And you're looking at, if people remember Javante Williams when he was drafted by the Broncos, Melvin Gordon and he both had good seasons. They were both in the RB20s, like 22-24 or something like that. But also the volatility of week in and week out of you know who's going to have the better game. So I would expect that kind of a season. The Smith and Jigba one, it's his price is going to come down because of the injury. Yeah. The problem I had with this is like, yeah, this is great. You know, Smith and Jigba, in my opinion, arguably the best talent in the draft, but you can't ignore DK Metcalf and Tyra Lockett. Like Tyra Lockett has been the most disrespected wide receiver for how many years now? Well, like he's always sitting there. It's Probably like, since he came into the league, honestly, right? top 20. And then he's like, ah, oh, people are like, I'll take him in the seventh round, top 20, eh, maybe the sixth round. Like it's just every single year. Dude, the Smith and Jigba drafting meant that the, the the Seahawks could move towards a little bit more 11 set, which is three wide receivers for everybody out there. And that's what you said with Gino. The appeal was, why aren't we still taking Gino? Why are we throwing out last year? Like, oh, that can't ever happen again. There is risk. Yeah, of course, that could be a one-year anomaly for him. 
But I think that Smith and Jigba now with his injury, I think if you look at this, is like, do they need to force him back? You have Metcalf, you have Lockett. Yes, is he their best wide receiver three? No question about it. But you didn't invest this draft pick for the future, who is a lot like Tyler Lockett skill set wise, um, where wait for him to be healthy. He could be out. I know they haven't put him on the pup yet. He yeah. could be out three, four, five weeks until he's 100%. And then, yes, it's great weapons. But I'll say Tyler Boyd is a good comparison. Ken Smith and Jigba surpass Lockett week in and week out. There'll be weeks where he has better numbers. He is that good of a talent. There'll be weeks where it's like, man, I can't believe Tyler Lockett did nothing. But like Tyler Boyd has been for the Bengals at the end of the year, that still only equates wide receiver 40 at best because he's the number three. It comes down to snaps and being on the field. And for fantasy, you need to get your butt on the field. We want you on the field as good as you can be. If you're the third option as a wide receiver, it's very hard to turn that into fantasy production. I'm not going to lie. You're giving me some great segues between question to question because you're talking about people (laughs) being available and being on the field. And that leads right into my next player, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley was not on the field last year. For those who don't know, suspended for the season because of a gambling uh, issue with the NFL. But now he's he goes from Atlanta to Jacksonville, a team that is on the rise, got a good young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, other weapons around him. How are fantasy players approaching Calvin Ridley and his potential coming off a year which he did not play? Yeah, this was originally started off as, I think Calvin Ridley is going too high in the drafts. That's coming from me. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you look at what Christian Kirk, everybody in the industry, including myself, when I when I saw that contract they gave him last year, I was like, wow, what yeah. the heck are the Jaguars thinking? And they're just like, we got to spend our money. And they end up being right. They basically laughed at all the rest of us and said, look at the season Christian Kirk can have. And then they trade for Calvin Ridley, which is a great value trade because we know the talent. But you go back to Matt Ryan, that final year before even Calvin Ridley, when he got hurt, the touchdowns were down a little bit. The inconsistency was there. And it's like, ooh, can Calvin Ridley truly be a number one? Uh, so they trade for him. They still have Zay Jones. They have Christian Kirk. But the preseason has been very telling. I actually just had an article come out at the athletic and it's the biggest preseason movers and there's not a lot because we, you know this well like preseasons offer often overvalued like they we want to see who the starters are and like there's not very much on a talent perspective was like oh my gosh this guy's been outplaying this guy no it's about who's going to be starting who's going to be on the field but the one thing that and i segued myself for this is christian kirk's been coming off the field when there's only two wide receivers not all the time but they've been rotating Christian Kirk and Zay, Zay Jones next to Calvin Ridley, which is weird because you just said, Christian Kirk just had an amazing season. What are they doing? Well, what are they doing is Calvin Ridley kind of brings both aspects of Jones and Kirk into one player's game, and he can stay on the field. What their formation is, whether it's designed for somebody to go deeper outside like Zay Jones or if it's somebody who needs to get open quicker on a quick slant like a Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley can do all of it. So Calvin Ridley's been the one. Um, I don't think there's going to be a huge gap between Kirk and Zay Jones, which has actually made me move up Calvin Ridley because it comes down to the target share. Like I thought this might be just a mess and all three of them are involved, but it's a, they're, they're telling us so far, Calvin Ridley has come in and he has taken over and he's clearly the one. So when I talk about target share, uh, there's very few wide receivers in the league that hit like the mid twenties and even push for 30, 30 is a rarity. That's like Cooper cup level. Um, but if he's going to get 24, 25% from Trevor Lawrence, I've moved him up into the top 15 conversation. And I think as long as he doesn't show any rust, Calvin really can be a, a league winner this year. 
former first round draft pick in the real NFL drafts. Yeah. Uh, definitely the talent is there. People, talent evaluators saw it. So maybe, maybe getting out of Atlanta, getting the, hopefully the, the gambling situation behind him, he, new setting. Uh, maybe he does become that impact uh, wide receiver that, that the Jaguars want him to be. Speaking of guys that are not first round draft picks in fantasy or, or real life, you have a great column as part of the resources on the athletic called free guys about free guys. And I put them in quotation marks. And these are basically players that might be available at the very back end of the draft or in the first round of waivers. But these are the, the pieces that will make your team a championship caliber fantasy team. Who are some of the free guys you are anticipating making an impact this year? So there's a lot. Yeah. And then the whole point is like, you know, Hey, these aren't going to like, if you're starting six of these guys, you're probably not winning <laughs> yeah. your league. Let's be clear. This is just like the point of free guys. Uh, and why I thought this was great is because these are a lot like times like week two, three of waivers early on in the season where people are like, man, I should have drafted blank or I should have picked him up. And I mean, I'm going to go to the Dallas Cowboys for the first one right off the top because he compares a lot to somebody we know here for the Washington commanders that used to be there and JD McKissick. And that's Deuce Vaughn. Like Deuce Vaughn is diminutive. He's as small as he, like there's highlights. And my wife uh, married since the last time we talked last year, uh, my wife, That's thank right. you, saw that. And she's like, she legitimately was like, are they letting a kid play on the field to like get some fun? Like, is this like a make a wish thing? Like, Hey, like he gets to run a team with like legitimate question. And I looked at her and I was like, you know what? I, I could see why you say that. They, he is that they are tiny. pretty startling videos. <laughs> it legitimately looks like a kid out there, but the point being is like, he doesn't need to be more than JD McKissick. He doesn't need to be more than what Tariq Cohen was for the Chicago bears. He doesn't need to be more than what Darren Sproles was for a while there. He's small. He's five, five, a buck, 60 buck, 70 at best, but he's a pass catcher and he's dynamic with the ball in his hand. Like you want to talk about go to big Kadarius. Tony is actually a really good comparison of what Deuce Vaughn brings to the running back position. He's not going to be your RB1, but he doesn't need to be the free pick at the end of your draft. Tariq Cohen, Darren Sproles, J.D. McKissick, those were RB3s and a half and full point PPR. As in, most weeks you can start them in your flex or even as your RB2 if you went wide receiver healthy or if you took Travis Kelsey early. These are guys that can be in your starting lineup. And if you're talking about that RB3 value, I think that's great. And actually, to go a little bit deeper... A name we've been talking about a lot of rookies, but the one that I think that got overlooked is Michael Wilson. Uh, Michael Wilson was kind of overlooked in the NFL draft, uh, fell a little bit later, but also overlooked from fantasy and talent perspective. Very talented wide receiver that because of where he played and all that type of, he's stepping into potentially the number two role for the Cardinals. Now, it is the Cardinals. This could easily be the worst offense in the league. We're talking about Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon, a rookie who's starting week one. Kyler Murray might not play at all this year, but there's a chance that Michael Wilson is the second best wide receiver on this team. Second best on the worst offense in the league, still top 50 wide receiver. And again, top 50 wide receiver 40, go back to Tyler Boyd. doesn't mean you're starting him every single week, week in and week out. But as somebody who's a free flyer and we were like, wow, I didn't see this guy coming out of nowhere, blah, blah, blah. That's the point. And, you know, there's some tight ends in there like Luke Musgrave. Uh, there's some other running backs that I threw in there that are free picks. But yeah. Most of these guys could probably get cut off your roster in two or three weeks, but they're free picks. And what the real point of that article was, for Will, and I know you know this, is don't look. I love Robert Woods as a player. Like, I hope he's not watching this and never sees this, or like, whatever, but don't draft Robert Woods. The point about Robert Woods is the same thing I said about the quarterbacks. Don't draft waiver replaceable guys, the guys that average six or seven fantasy points per week. Those are always going to be there on waivers. 
they're always there. You want, when you're finishing your roster in the 13th, 14th, 15th round of your draft, when you're finishing everything out, you want guys who could potentially become top 30, 35 players at running back or wide receiver. You don't want the waiver replacement guys. Does that mean they fail and you drop them? Sure, but you want the lottery ticket. You don't want the, everybody else has one of those guys. Yeah, you don't want the accumulation. You want something that can actually yes. make an impact. Uh, we got a few more questions for you before we get you out of here, but you talked about Calvin Ridley, who your mindset kind of has shifted on him throughout the preseason. From the beginning of preseason to now, over the last three weeks, what is another name that you are seeing shooting up draft boards, either in your own opinion or just what you're seeing from the from uh, all the drafts that you're that you're uh, uh, following? I'll give you two. I'll give you a running back and wide receiver. Uh, one has been shooting up draft boards, and deservedly so in my opinion, as Khalil Herbert for the Bears. I didn't get the whole Khalil Herbert situation with everybody in the world. It's because last year when he replaced David Montgomery and David Montgomery got hurt, here's a quick, easy stat. Every single game, Khalil Herbert ran the ball at least 10 times, minimum 50 yards, and averaged 5.1 yards per carry because of what? He's running next to Justin Fields. We've seen the running backs next to Lamar Jackson. We've seen the running backs. When you have that kind of quarterback, it just opens things up even more so for the run game. And I know Khalil Herbert has passing game struggles, but this is what I keep throwing out, Will. It's like everybody's like, oh, he can't pass block. It's like whatever. Did you know Khalil Herbert, better pass blocker last year than Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey? Like you can go, go look at PFF. You can go down the list and see where it was. It's not great. He's middle of the pack. But the point being is those are names that we don't care about their pass blocking because they're dynamic with the ball. Do I think there's a threat of Rashawn Johnson, who they drafted, to be in the passing game and take a little bit away of Herbert? Sure, but Khalil Herbert was going the 8th, ninth, and 10th round as the lead running back for the Bears, and they've used him the entire preseason as the lead back, and now he's finally starting to get some respect to move up. Am I going to take him in the 4th round? Absolutely not. There's still risk with him. But for the fact of where he was going, the other one is unfortunately for the people around him, but fortunate for him, it's another rookie, Marvin Mims for the Broncos. There's a lot of excitement about him. Another really good talent in this draft. He was buried from day one because it was Tim Patrick and others in front of him, but Tim Patrick, another season ending injury. Unfortunately, that's what I was saying, unfortunately for him. And now Jerry Judy's questionable for week one. Even if Jerry Judy's out there week one, like do they give him the full compliment? And if nothing else, Marvin Mims now 100% has the third role for the Broncos. And Cortland Sutton, to this point of his career, has been disappointing for what the expectancy was. And now Jerry Judy, is he going to be banged up? He's going to be in and out all the entire year. Marvin Mins has gone up a good three rounds in drafts because it's that opportunity. It's basically like we go back to the Smith and Jigba situation. It's just like that if the injury didn't happen to Smith and Jigba, it actually happened to Tyler Lockett. When we start getting into pass blocking for running backs, I know that the fantasy <laughs> aficionados, that's the deep dive that they want. They want the analytics like that. Uh, flip side, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this, but flip side, you just gave us two great names that are shooting up boards. Who are two that you would probably stay away from where maybe a month or two ago when you started doing these drafts, you were seeing them go a little bit higher? So similar to the Chiefs situation, uh, it's a saying I always make every single year. It's funny as I say, buy the cake, not the icing, because yeah. I try to get that visualization. The icing is the wide receivers. Like you don't buy just the icing. Like it tastes really good for a couple of licks, but it's going to make you sick after a while. And that's why I brought that up. Cause what's the cake? The cake's the good stuff. That's the, like the base. The, the, the icing just makes it a little better. The cake is the quarterback. So just draft Daniel Jones and Darren Waller, but at wide receiver, I dropped Isaiah Hodgins down quite significantly because 
the Giants have told us, like Isaiah Hodgins was really good at times last year. He looked like he could be the best wide receiver for the Giants this season. But when you see who they rested as their starters, it was always Darius Slayton and Paris Campbell. Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell. And now there's even talk that Isaiah Hodgins might not even be the third. And I know everybody out there is like, I'm not getting excited about Slayton or uh, Paris Campbell. And I'm not saying to get that excited about either. Actually, Paris Campbell was one of the free picks. Like, just take a gamble that he's the best wide receiver for the Giants. But the answer might be nobody. And just draft Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Darren Waller and move on. Um, So that's one that's fallen. And then at running back, this is pure speculation. I just want to say, like, this is not – Founded. There's not doctors that are saying this is definitively the case. There's just a lot of speculation out there from doctors. I was very, very high on J.K. Dobbins this year because that five-game stretch to finish when he came back last year off the injury was as good as it gets. We're talking about seven, eight yards per carry average. He was dominating. But there's been a lot of talk that this offseason when he was off on the pop, it was there was rumors that it was a contract situation. And now some doctors have been saying eh, it might not have been doctor. It might not have been that. It might have actually been his knee is swelling. And there's a difference with injuries, with running backs and knees. Swelling is bad. Uh, Stiffness is okay because that just means you need to work on it and get back into the fit. But the swelling, the name that they threw out that I've seen, again, this is all speculation, but they said Todd Gurley. And when you remember the end of Todd Gurley's career and what that knee did to him, J.K. Dobbins could be healthy but dealing with this all year long and could be a mess of a backfield. And the worst case scenario is that he's just shot after a couple of weeks. So I'm still drafting him as a low end RB two because if he somehow plays 15, 16 games, he's going to finish much higher than that. He's going to be great. But I had to knock him down. I originally had him as like RB 13. I was like, man, this is going to be great. But I had to knock him down significantly just because you have to factor in that risk that you lose your running back quickly. Well, while the J.K. Dobbins take you just had is is based a little bit more in speculation, 99.999% of everything you bring to this is always based in fact and and research and analytics. And we always appreciate the time that we have with you every single time of year, this time of year for the last five years. Jake, as always, it's a pleasure catching up with you. Always a fun conversation. I always appreciate it. I'm looking forward to year 20 when we're doing this. Absolutely. Well, that means that the Hall of Fame is still chugging along at that point. So be sure to read all of Jake's content for Athletic Fantasy Sports. They have a fantasy football draft kit and resources, tons of articles to get you ready for the draft. You can also follow Jake on Twitter at AllInKid, all one word. Be sure to follow him on fantasy, uh, on Athletic Fantasy and Twitter. Get all the information as you head into your draft. I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in and who will watch and listen to this post-interview. As always, like to thank all the sponsors over my shoulder. Be sure to stay up to date on all things Virginia Sports Hall of Fame and the Hall Call interview series and podcast by following our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. You can also listen to the Hall Call podcast on Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Once again, I'm Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Whatever you do, participate, don't spectate, and we'll see you next time.